Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Cortellini's podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, here today with a very special guest, uh, and he is Kevin Araujo, or shall I say Araujo Fernandes, <laughs> is that correct? Yeah, yeah, got it right the second time. <laughs> Kevin Araujo Fernandez. how are you doing today, Kevin? Yeah, doing good. Uh, pleasure to be on. Thank you very much for the opportunity and for giving the Portuguese League a much-needed voice, especially those lesser-known teams. And I'm here to represent Maritimo, <laughs> which is just another one rich in history, potential, and a lot of quality. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, we are trying to get as many fans from as many teams to come on the Cortelinius uh, podcast so you know if you are a fan of one of these smaller teams uh be it in the primera or even lower right we did a, a podcast with a Bellinich fan in the third in the fourth tier uh, last week so you know if you want to come on hit me up on twitter and uh and yeah but once again a real pleasure to have kevin on um it, it's kind of funny because Kevin, you know, you are both a Marichimo fan and a sporting fan. Um, and just a few weeks ago, we had on Dennis Tomei, who is both a Gil Vicente fan and a Porto fan. So that's kind of something that's common in Portugal. You know, you have like, shall we say, your local team, your smaller team. And then you have one of the big three, right? Porto, Benfica are sporting the team that actually has a chance of, you know, winning the league title. Um, so, Kevin... Why exactly the Maritimo sporting combination? Well, when I was growing up, to explain the sporting side, I grew up with my two of my uncles living at home, one from Porto, one from Benfica, both crazy about their football at the time. And my dad is a sporting supporter, one of the few in my family, actually. The majority is Benfica. So each one would get home from work. They'd start putting... Porto songs, if it was one of my uncles, then it would be the Benfica song turn, and then it would be the Sporting. I guess Sporting won, thankfully for me. And the Maritimo side, my other uncle, another one from Benfica, he's, I've got my mum's side from Madeira, and he's quite, quite caught up with Maritimo as well. We'll say, as they say in England, Sporting is local. And that's how I got in, more into Maritimo. I had a shirt when first time I think I was about five and it's like from there I've always been have had kind of a soft spot we'll say and it's just more common in Portugal because as in England you have some people who will support one of the top division teams even going into championship but then they'll go for their national league or just Sunday league team even in those lower divisions fifth and below just to give them a bit of support and the way that Portugal has only 10 million or around that citizens, you've got in the same way that the English has so many teams, Portugal needs just the same. And it just ends up being like that. Instead of being one of the lower divisions, sometimes it is, but it ends up going to the first division too. Absolutely, yeah. We, we saw both Marichmo and Sporting uh, face off against each other as well as Porto against Gil Vicente. So uh, perhaps the Kevin Araujo Fernandes Derby and the Dennis Tomei Derby uh, taking on in the same weekend. We'll be talking about both of those matches. 
But starting off, uh, we had uh, we we saw um, a lot of interesting matches this weekend. Still have the toss of the Portugal semifinals first leg coming up this week. Very excited to see both matches. Uh, obviously, sporting against Porto is is always uh, a fun match, but uh, Tondela as well going up against lower division side Mafra. Can Mafra keep up the Cinderella story and uh, take this thing to the to to the final? I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, currently. Got about 40 minutes left of the final match of match day 24, which is Braga-Santa Clara. Been a fun match. We'll, we'll get to both of those teams later. But starting off uh, this action, starting off this weekend's action, we saw Belenenstad taking on Pasos de Fajera. Um, I want to start this discussion by adding one thing that I really liked about this match was before the match even began. Uh, Pasos de Fajera, they took the initiative to offer their fans um, free ticketing and free um, and and free transportation to the game. So, for those of you who who don't know, who don't have a great handle on Portuguese uh, geography, the distance between uh, Belenenses Stadium at the the Estadio de Jamor and Passos de Vera it's about three hours, I believe. So. Around like you're looking at around like a six hour, uh, six and a half hour um, car ride both ways, um, and they scheduled this on a Friday night. Okay, which you know not the first time that the league pulls off some ridiculously bad scheduling. Um, obviously, you know Friday night matches and Monday night matches. It, it's always going to be hard for for those, but I think you have to definitely prioritize for for those. You definitely have to go with. Uh, the the smallest distance, you know, and, and, and I've seen, I think I remember back in September, it was Vizela against Portimonense on a Sunday night where you, you had a lot of Vizela fans actually making the six-hour drive. That's a 12-hour round trip to the Algarve. Um, but yeah, just another terrible scheduling. I, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts on the league's scheduling choices? I think every Liga Nosh fan or Liga Buin fan has the same thoughts. It's been going on for a number of years, and it's not too long ago, the last time that Oroca was in the first division, that we were seeing games being scheduled at midday, 11 a.m. It's been even worse than this. And I don't know how they want to improve this league. And as the president of the FPF, Provenza, um, I don't know how he wants to improve this league internationalize the division in making these sort of moves. And I know that much like with the Premier League, where you have Sky Sports having a major handle on scheduling, I know Sport TV has a lot of the same. And I know a lot of Portuguese football fans will be wanting 11 sports to be making a move for the rights because at the moment it's just ridiculous because you've got a team like Sad. They're not filling up their stadium at the moment anyway, and there's no prospects of them doing so. And they're just relying on clubs like Pasfreira, and last week we saw Estoril with the little, the little jump on the moment with Geraldes and the Tromosos. Right. You have these sort of moments, but it's not enough. The league has to push for some better scheduling, 
to get the fans in, especially after a pandemic where a lot of these clubs will be hit hard financially. And it only takes a couple of bad results, them to be put in disarray in a position where they could eventually go down, potentially go down, especially with the extra playoff place, which came into effect last season. And that's it for them. And we've seen it time and time again with Lady a bit being hit hard and basically folding. You've had Beiramar. You've had even the split between Bissad and Bulnes, football club Bulnes. You had that split, and that was forced upon the fans of the proper Bulnes, the original, being forced into a financial decision that they didn't want to make. But because there's decisions like this being made in the league with some scheduling and a lot more, Portuguese clubs find it difficult to survive sometimes. And these sort of decisions and scheduling decisions do not help whatsoever, especially when you've got a Braga game even today. It's a Monday night and you've got a team in, from the north of Portugal who has, they have their own issues, the Braga fans, with the situation with their stadium and the access to it. And who's the away team? A club from the Azuj, an island, I would say, what, two hours away to get there on a plane? You're not going to get high attendances and I don't know what the league are expecting in this case. Yeah, absolutely. It's just really poor. Very poor. Uh, the game itself saw the two lowest scoring teams in the Primera take on each other. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting because I, I thought going into the match, one, one observation that I had is that both teams, perhaps two of the biggest downturns of the Primera, the two uh, in terms of where they were last season, perhaps the two biggest disappointments. Uh, I'm not saying that they, they were the biggest disappointments, but when you look at how they played last season, I think you have to call them that. Pastus de Pera, uh, finishing fifth under Pepa last season. Belenenstad finishing 10th. Um, and I think that Pastos have been, almost, in, in some ways, the Belenenstad of this season because uh, they have compensated for a very shoddy attack with a, a fairly good defensive record. And once again, getting a clean sheet, uh, taking a 2 nothing win, thanks to a penalty from Danielson right before halftime, and uh, a, a, their second goal coming from Hilder Fajeda. Um, so a big, you know, a pretty important 2 nothing win for the Beavers, uh, who currently sit 10th in the table. Santa Clara can overtake them if they beat uh, Braga. We'll see what happens with that match. We'll keep you posted on that. Belenenstad, on the other hand, still rooted to the bottom of the Primera. 15 points from 24 games. Uh, so, you know, 10 matches remaining, and they are seven points behind Aruca in 15. Seven points behind safety, five points behind who currently sit in the relegation playoff spot. Can we basically say it's done and dusted and and uh, and and relegate Belenenstad already? Look, I don't I don't like to say anything's over in football, especially my sporting side, who's still hoping for a title push at the moment. But if you were going to relegate a side at the moment, it it would be a bit sad. 
Um, let, let's be honest. Their attack, worst in the league and by far. And you look at you look at their side, it just doesn't inspire you. It doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence that they're going to make that move and stay in the division, especially when they're making such a sale like selling Tomás Ribeiro in the January window, where realistically you need to hold on to your top talents if you want to make a move and stay in the division. It's, it, it's just not inspiring. They, it's as if they, they just realise the hole they're in financially because they can't fill their stadium and... At the end of the day, they are one of the most hated, if not the most hated side in the top division, if not the whole of Portuguese football. It, it, I just look at their lineup, and you've got a decent little right back in Yukalila Mez. Maybe you've got Afonso Souza, who's a nice little midfielder, technically gifted. But apart from that, you can't see who's going to get the goals in. As an organised side, which they've always been known to be quite a resilient side, they just don't have that as much this season. Their defence isn't as strong as it used to be. And their manager kind of looks resigned for a defeat every time he goes into a game. He, he's not the man that pushes and tries to fill his team with confidence. Bissad as a whole just looks, looks like a, a club in turmoil. They, they've had a couple of changes of manager. They had, obviously, that ridiculous game with Benfica where they had to field nine players with the goalkeeper, two goalkeepers, one on the field, one in goal. I think that basically just sums up their season. I think they're doomed for, for their relegation. If it's not this season, I don't know if financial trouble is going to get them or not. As we've seen with a couple of teams, one in the, in the second division in Cova de Piedad, Last season, for example, we've seen that happen a couple of times in both divisions. I'm not sure if that won't happen, even if they do manage to somehow get out of the hole that they're in at the moment. Especially when you look at Vizela, who looks a lot more inspiring on the field, a lot better performances, a lot more ambition with their coach, Pashirku. And Aroca have picked up a really impressive win against Vitoria last week. And as we're going to probably move on to, they got a draw this week. And now's when Biersad really need to get into gear because they've got 10 games left. If it's not now, I'm not sure if it's going to be ever. Yeah, and I mean, as you mentioned, uh, I, I think that there just is not that much talent in this Bell and Edge side. We've seen the likes of, you know, Reinildo Mandava currently at Atletico Madrid, uh, the, you know, the likes of Mateo Casera. Tomas Ribeiro, uh, Stanislav Kritsiok, you know, getting decent-sized moves. I don't, I'm not sure if I see anybody on this Belenenstadt team who's, who's capable of that. They're just really, it seems like they were almost destined for relegation. And obviously selling probably your, uh, maybe even your best player, definitely your best defender in Tomas Ribeiro for, I think it was, what, one, euro, one million uh, euros Definitely seems like, you know, George Mendes pulling you know, off his usual tricks and, you know, going to be sold to, like, Wolves for 9 million euros in two years from now, you know. It, it, it's – a part of me kind of feels bad for them. I know that they are the most hated team in Portugal. I know that, you know, they, they've 
what they've what they have now. They they had it coming, but I don't know. I, I feel sort of bad for them. Uh, moving on to the winning team, though, Pasos de Pereira picking up a second straight victory uh, after beating Vizela. So another, you know, obviously Balanich, Saad, and Vizela, not the most impressive two wins, but, you know, at, at the same time, pretty good start to 2022, uh, you know, for, for the Beavers. Not the best, okay, but their only two losses have come against Benfica and Braga. They've drawn three games to Portimonech, Storiel, and uh, Boavista, and Famalicao as well. They've drawn four. Two of those four draws, I should add, uh, saw them keep clean sheets. So, you know, their defensive record has been good enough. And, and in this case, okay, defense does not win championships, but it keeps them up in the Primera. And honestly, having lost Douglas Tanke, having lost Pepa, Having sold a Steven Ustaki on the January window, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not amazing, but it's not awful either. They're staying up. They're going to be playing Primera Liga football, uh, in my in my opinion, next season. And there were some times during this season where where you had a feeling they they were going to suffer, uh, and and suffer until the final day. I don't think that'll happen. I think they have enough quality to tank. You know, any thoughts on this Paso side? Uh, and I, I just want to point out a player we've, we've talked about a bit on the show, Machoy Jallo. Since Jallo came into the starting lineup for Pastos de Pera, they've lost 2-1 to Braga, and uh, Machoy winning the free kick for Vitorino Antunes that saw them that saw them take the lead initially, uh, and as well putting in some impressive uh, performances um, against Vizala and Belenic Saad. Yeah, he does look like a quite a good player, doesn't he? He's very technically gifted, good on the ball. And, you know, he has a lot of qualities that are similar to Ustakio in that manner. On the ball, he doesn't doesn't leave you with anything to be desired. He's 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 a very good talent. And you look at his age, he's coming into Pasukaido at 18 years old. He's been featured in the national team under-19s, I believe, quite a few times. He's, he's a very promising player. And credit to the, the last managers at Pasquale for not rushing his development, letting him ease into the side. It's taken him a while, but now he's finally broken in, got close to 90 minutes in the last three games. And look, it's paid off. He got an assist in the last game, I believe, and put in a really good performance. He's basically the man that you would want. If you're going to sell or loan out Stakio at this point, which, look, sometimes it's forced, sometimes it's a lack of ambition. But he's the kind of guy that you want to bring in as a replacement. At least you have someone that can come in. Maybe the quality will drop a bit, but he's got some upside to it. He can still deliver, and he's a good player. And he's got a lot of potential, as we know. And... Let's be honest, with Pascal they did have that little run at Tottenham, filling everyone with hope. But after the season they had with Pepa, losing him, who was the brains behind the whole operation, you could expect them to drop off a little bit. And especially with losing their star striker, Douglas Stang. We're not going to say it's not completely expected, 
you you wouldn't expect them to go into a relegation battle because of it. And it has happened a couple of times with clubs that have made the European push. But they haven't exactly invested badly. They got Andre Fajeda in as a goalkeeper. He looks like a very good goalkeeper, all-rounded. And look, it, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad for them. They can build a foundation again after losing a very influential, a very influential man in the whole club. And I think Cesar Peixoto is finally putting his philosophy on this team, trying to move away a little bit from the Pepe system. But you can, you, you can see where this is going. It, you, you feel this team has a little bit more of an identity to it, watching. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And, and as you mentioned, you know, uh, they, I think that they have a lot of interesting players who uh, can, can definitely build a uh, solid finish to the season. Hasn't been a great season for Passos, but uh, they can finish it strong, I, I think. Uh, moving on to the second match of the weekend, Tamalikau going up against Tandela. Um, you know, the, the, it, it always feels like pure chaos when these two teams play. Um, Tamalikau, Tondela taking on each other for the first time back in September. Saw Tamalikau uh, actually going up 2-1 uh, after Tondela's opener um, and then and then going down going down to 10 men right before halftime um, and ended up losing 3-2 to Tondela. So pretty chaotic match. Uh, this match, on the other hand, was equally, if not more chaotic, um, which isn't really something that you would say from, you know, two bottom half sides in Famalicao and Tondela. It's uh, a brace of assists from Adrian Marin, Tamalikau taking the lead in the 67th minute from Simon Banza, doubling it four minutes later from João Carlos Teixeira. The shall we say the 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 final the final 20 minutes of extra time. That's right. There were uh, I believe 20 yeah 20 minutes of extra time, and that was because of a pretty shameful incident. Um, and, and one that it should be noted is not, is, is not a one-off in Portuguese football. Uh, we saw Gustavo Asuncao, a player, a Brazilian midfielder, plays for Falicao, a claim to be racially abused by Tondela's Rafael Barbosa. Um, I, honestly, a very shameful incident that we've seen before in Portugal really needs to end, uh, I don't want to talk too much about this, but for me, it's just, it's just, it's just so uh, abhorrent, you know, and, and I had the chance to interview Gustavo Asuncao back in the summer when he was at Famalicao. He ended up going to Galatasaray on loan. Didn't really make that much of an impact there before heading back uh, to Famalicao in the January window. I had the chance to interview him. I had the chance also to interview Tondela's uh, Brazilian left back, Neto Borges, who also happens to be black. So not only is Barbosa insulting, you know, it, not only is he insulting an opponent, he's also insulting his teammates, uh, his fans. Honestly, it's just absolutely disgraceful. But I don't want to. I don't want to get bogged down by that. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Um, before that moment, it's your typical Portuguese league game. You know, it's a. Uh... Two bottom half teams, 
but you can see there's a lot of quality and potential there. You you can't say that it's a second division side against another second division side. You've got a lot of first division quality, a lot of potential, and it's quite an even game before we get into those shameful, shameful scenes. And you saw in the, in the beginning of the game, for the game and during, especially the Mali Khan Clark, uh, Fama boys, um, um, a host of events just showing support to Ukraine during the the current situation, including uh, holding of flags, multiple chants. And then we go into stoppage time. We have a, a late constellation goal, as it ended up being, despite playing another 18 minutes on top of an extra uh, compensation time goal. And everything went into chaos. You just see going mental. He, he, he lost it. And can you blame him? Now, it's a very touchy subject, obviously, because Tondela have come out in the in defence of their player. And look, if he says that he didn't do anything and you want to protect the integrity of your player, that's what they're going to do. And it's, it's just such a touchy subject. And... I'm probably not the right person to ask about this. And it's just shameful that afterwards you see a player, another Tondela player, Jota, come out and tweet about the situation. It's just, it's just very shameful because yeah. you can see a player that's clearly hurt by something that was said. And you can't imagine him making it up. I don't imagine why, how, especially when they're 2-1 up, in that situation, you just want to hold the ball, get through the rest of the game, and see it out. There would be no benefit to making up such a ridiculous claim if it wasn't true. Yet, the player maintains he did nothing wrong. He's got teammates coming out on social media in support of him, and a club that will not condemn the actions. So it's just a very difficult situation to comment on, and something that ruins the spectacle of football ruins the reputation of a league ruins the reputation of a club if it ends up that someone was a witness and can clarify the situation and it's just difficult for the league to now come out and put an end to it because it appears that the managers did not hear anything and they're just going off the account of the a player affected and the player that apparently targeted the other player. So, honestly, it's just very, very sad to see. And it's one of many things that in Portuguese football, in all football in this case, it just needs to stop, especially during a time where we've realistically got much bigger issues to be worrying about. And this still manages to happen. It's just really, really sad because, look, both teams have a loss of quality. It was a great spectacle, despite not being as much goal action in terms of shots on target. You could have very easily a very good game, very appealing for the neutral side to see, bringing in more viewers. But no, we ended up talking mostly about this game, about this one incident, when you've got such star players like Adrian Marin, Banza, Asunção, 
Edel Quaresma. The list can go on. They've got countless players that have a lot of talent. But we end up talking about these situations, and this isn't the first time. Probably, sadly, won't be the last. And it's not the only shameful incidents that can happen in Portuguese football, any football. It just needs to stop, really. I, I can't say anything other than that. It's just shameful, needs to stop. Absolutely. Malikau currently six points above the relegation zone with three wins on the boot. Uh, we've talked a lot about them. Uh, but Tondela, on the other hand, currently uh, in the relegation zone with 20 points. That's two points behind Aruka uh, in 15th and five points above Valenange side. And more worryingly, it's actually four, win- four defeats in a row and five defeats in their last six. Um, you know, what has gone wrong for Tondela this season? I mean, I know that they lost Mario Gonzalez, who was on loan from Villarreal, ended up going to Braga. Big loss in attack, sure. But what do you think have been the biggest reasons why uh, this Tondela side is currently fighting relegation? I couldn't really put a finger on it. When you look at their side, they've got some players with a lot of talent. You've got a couple of players coming from on loan from bigger sides, the likes of Thiago Dantas, Edu Quaresma. In theory, they'd offer a lot to a team. You saw both of them have some success. Thiago Dantas warranted a move to Bayern. Edu Quaresma, at the beginning of the Ruben Amorim reign at Sporting, got a lot of playing time. They're two players with a lot of talent, a lot of quality with the ball at their feet, but something on the pitch is just not materialising. And I don't know if it's just a case of this manager can't get the best out of this group of players. Maybe a couple too many changes to the team because these lower Portuguese sides tend to end up making a lot of transfers. Sometimes not really forced. It's just the nature of the league. And something's just gone wrong. Because you can see in all aspects, all positions, that their team does not look that bad. Maybe just a lack of the goals at this point. And the defence is just leaking a little bit too much. And you see historically by this Kakao Yastaran side, Tondela tend to be quite solid defensively, a very organised side. And obviously last year they'd have Salvador Agra, just he can run around for days. And uh, Mario Gonzalez, two players that like to play on the, on the last shoulder. Perhaps they've just lost that kind of cutting edge and their defence is leaking more goals than usual. So it just ends up to not winning in four. And look, maybe a couple of players stepping up in form, maybe a little click and they'll get their act together. Who knows? You, you can't really say that there's a lack, a clear lack in quality. There's just missing something. And maybe it's just a case of stuff isn't materialising off the field. Might be something to do with the team chemistry. But there's something there. I don't think Tondela have a lot of room to be majorly concerned. At the end of the day, they are 16th, tying on points with Moreirense. But if you look between the two teams, I'd say Tondela are the stronger unit. They've certainly got a manager that has made the most out of a Tondela side. And 
I'd give him the confidence that he could do it again. Um, I, I just say wait and see, see where this takes us and hope for the best, I'd say.